0: Let's get our Bibles out today and look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we'll take a moment to pray as well. Father, thank you so much that we can gather again together now to study your word. We believe that it's producing great things in our hearts and therefore in our lives outwardly and in the lives of those around us. Direct us today, we pray, guide our every word, our every thought. We give place to Your Spirit, and to Your Word in our lives now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we began two weeks ago with a brand new series of messages called One by One. And as you know, these are, are very serious in nature. And it's something that has, I don't know, kind of a heavy effect to it at times. It's not necessarily one of those who run around the room type of messages, although it produces that in the end. But I want you to know that the Spirit of God has dealt with me concerning this, and I believe He wants to take us up to a higher place uh, in being used of Him to impact others' lives, okay? And uh, if, again, by any chance that you missed out on part one or two, whether you were just carnal or or, uh, on vacation or something like that, (laughs) Uh, we want you to get caught up, all right, with the rest of us, and uh, and get on the website, and listen to that, or, or or get a CD and listen to that, and get caught up. I want you to get to the place where you feel what I feel, and even beyond that, I want you to feel the heart of God. I want you to uh, I want this to have a very real impact on your thinking, and on uh, uh, and even emotionally on you from day to day, so that we get to a place where we're no longer okay which is living our little lives and we know that we got a mansion in glory land and we know that we're saved and 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 then we're just happy and satisfied and fulfilled with that alone listen if you're saved that's true no matter what you can't do anything to change it god's got it taken care of for you personally but we need to get to the place where we say i cannot continue just to watch Everyone at work and everyone who lives by me and my unsafe family and all the people driving down the road and just have a thoughtless, cold mindset towards people who are lost. I mean, they don't have a clue what's awaiting them when they take their last breath. And we are here on assignment, all right? God's given us a job to do. And it's a privilege, I tell you what. At the same time, it's very serious because people's lives are hanging in the balance, And someone loved me enough to tell me what the Lord had done for me and how my personal acceptance of that would change my life and my eternity. Someone told me. I'm so glad they did. I'm so glad someone told you. But it would be wrong of me just to retain that knowledge and that experience and what I know to myself and not share it with others. I want to look at two scriptures here that are what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. The first one here is in Mark 16. This is Jesus talking to His disciples, but of course He used the word believers, so He's talking to us too. Uh, Right before He left, after His mission on earth was accomplished, He said in verse verse 15, And He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. You see the simple um, commission, the simple direction that we've been given there, it's to all believers. What does it say? We are to preach the gospel. All right, right to every single one of us, we are to preach the gospel. Sometimes when we hear the word preach, you might think preacher, preacher. You think, I'm not a preacher, I'm not really one to preach. We need to break that down and understand the essence of what he's talking about. It doesn't necessarily regard, uh, involve flailing of the arms or spitting or raising your voice to excruciating levels. huh? I'm all for a good preach. I'll, I'll go ahead and let her rip, you know, when we get unctioned to do so. But that's not necessarily that word defined. It simply means to proclaim, all right? Proclaim can be a, across the table at Starbucks. Proclaim could be on the phone. It could even be on social networking. Are you listening? It's basically us sharing. It's us talking with someone else about what we've got, what we've received, what we know about the Lord. We're telling somebody else about it. All right? If you've got a pulpit and a microphone You might be able to shout a little bit And, and uh, you know, be a little more animated But most of the time if you're doing that at Walmart People are going to freak out <laughs> And so when, when it comes to preaching the gospel Again think very normal We're just sharing We're not necessarily having to explain That would be teaching uh, explain everything in great detail. It's just telling people, um, as a matter of fact, what's true, what's the reality of their life and their eternity, and what God has done to make a difference in us. Okay, And all of us are, are to do that. Now this is the first aspect, the first part of what we call the Great Commission. All right. The other part is recorded in Matthew chapter 28. See here, the words are a little bit different. But we know uh, sometimes people wonder, well, which one do we use, like Mark 16 or Matthew 28? Well, Jesus obviously said all of this in the context of that conversation with his disciples. Mark wrote some of it down. Matthew wrote some different parts of it down. That's why we've been given different accounts of the work and ministry of Jesus. He said a lot, and we've got the parts in different locations of what we need to hear. But I want you to notice the Lord did not just say, preach the gospel. Okay, let's look here. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. Notice how that language is different from go into all the world and preach the gospel. See, preaching the gospel is one thing. Making a disciple is another thing. And sometimes those in our our circles, we, we emphasize and magnify so much the great importance and tremendous revelation of the new birth. How when a person receives Jesus, they become born again, and their spirits are made righteous in God's. I mean, it's tremendous. We can shout, and that is a shouting message. Woohoo! And I mean, I tell you what, good stuff, and we can get excited about that. But because of that, sometimes we feel like, After I've shared the gospel, if a person receives Jesus as their Lord and Savior, then they're good to go. They're done. And truthfully, they are legitimately saved. Don't get me wrong, we don't take anything away from their eternity. But I did not fulfill the Great Commission by doing that. I got it started. I started it by leading a person to a personal relationship with the Lord, but that person is not yet a disciple, they're just saved. They're just born again. But to become a disciple, there must be additional things that I lead them in. I finish the prayer, amen, you're saved, now what? Okay, and this is where we must not just be satisfied, I got ten people saved. All right, where are they? You didn't leave them out there, did you? It's like you caught them and threw them back. (laughs) Well, I caught them. Well, they're not caught anymore. And I'm not talking about the theology of did they lose their salvation. Not if they were really born again, no. But I'm I'm just saying, the Lord didn't tell us. Just catch them and then you're done. Here's what he went on to say. Again, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. What's the next word? baptizing them do you know that the first thing that we should encourage people in is after, after they receive the lord is that they must be baptized in water making a disciple includes them being baptized someone said well i'm not even baptized yet well you're not a disciple then so yes i am i'm saved you're saved you're not a disciple those are two separate things but we can't see if we really want to do what the lord told us to do we've got to kind of take serious his program here (laughs) he's got a plan he's got he's got some steps you preach the gospel to them they receive their salvation they receive the lord then immediately you say you will need to be baptized now how many understand that has something to do with commitment when a person goes in the water that's typically a public event They're not just praying in the corner, I privately receive the Lord. Christianity is not a private thing. It's not something we just do by ourselves, I'm a Christian but nobody knows. You know, I spend time in prayer in the closet but the friends I hang around, no one knows I'm a Christian. What kind of Christian are you? What kind of Christianity is that where it's secret and private? The Lord never intended for us to be so selfish. Are you listening? Our Christianity is supposed to be lived out loud. We're supposed to live it on the job and live it everywhere we go. That doesn't mean we're constantly preaching. Won't ever, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Won't ever let anyone speak about anything other than the Lord. Get fired from your job and everything because you won't shut up. Christians ought to be wise. But still, I'm a Christian 24-7. Amen. Christian after you hit your thumb with the hammer. (laughs) Christian after you slice that drive everybody with me christian no matter what you do do you lock your keys in the car (laughs) saved all day long all the time supposed to live out loud and when a person gets water baptized that's sometimes helps them tremendously in saying because they're declaring to all family friends everyone's watching they're going wow they're really serious about this aren't they yes i'm identifying with jesus i am his i belong to him for all the days of my life and for all eternity He goes on to say in verse 20, notice, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, amen. What does a person need once they are born again? They need taught. They need to go through water, and they need taught. If they're not baptized, and if they're not taught, they're not a disciple, according to Jesus' methods. And so this is what we want to do. We want to lead people into an eternal saving relationship with the Lord, but we want to take them on from there, and we teach them how to walk. We walk with them a little while until they learn how to walk on their own. And, and then someone said, well, I've you know, got to teach them too. Like, I don't know if I can do that. I'm not really a teacher. And uh, I understand that, that not everyone is a teacher per se. Um, however, everyone can teach what they know. You can show someone what you know, and that will help people. But again, it's not necessarily about one individual doing all the teaching for another, just like you won't necessarily baptize them either. You could could do that, but you won't necessarily baptize them, but you're going to lead them into uh, that experience. And you're going to lead them into an environment, a place where they can be taught. Once they've been baptized in water, once they've been taught, uh, taught the word they're now on the road they're now becoming a disciplined follower of Christ themselves. all right now we have of course here uh, a whole system and plan to make it real easy for people many of you most of you have have gone through or have begun to go to go through authentic life right and here's the here, here's the deal I want you to consider this you lead a family member or friend or coworker, worker someone to the Lord the next step you know the baptism thing the next step is you walk with them through this process so sometimes people think you mean like like go again <laughs> like i've already gone through that i've already i already know that you want me to go th- you saying i got to go through those classes again i'm saying you selfish thing you stop thinking about stop thinking everything's about you i mean i've already completed i don't want to go through that again When are we going to learn that our lives are not just about ourselves? And literally, if someone would take a month and invest into another person, you can change their life forever and through their life. You know, you think about it. Somebody got Billy Graham saved. Somebody shared the gospel with him, and we think about him and all the people he's uh, won to the Lord. We think, wow, what an incredible. But somebody got him saved. I wonder if they got any part of that reward. (laughs) huh i don't think we realize some of the impact that we're having we think that's just some guy well one that's valuable if they never do a thing again because jesus paid a gave his shed blood for that person but they may go on to win four million people amen and so we want to walk with people we want to help them get from a to z or at least to d you know what i'm saying get them started walk with them a little bit so they can be taught the word and what we're doing is we're fulfilling what the lord said we're not just i throw out a little gospel message and i'm I'm out of there no i'm fulfilling the great commission the lord didn't just tell me to do that he told me to make a disciple of someone who are you going to disciple and for some it might not be it may only be a short period of time you get them going you get them in the right direction you help them get started, and they're good, and they're going, and they're growing, and they're increasing, and they're going to then minister to somebody else. Amen. But the average Christian now, a new believer, when someone first gets saved, they don't know what it looks like to be to, to live the Christian life. They don't know what that's what that's all about. They ha- they may have religious connotations. They may have seen some things, but they don't know what a true believer looks like. They don't know. Uh, they need to see someone. What it's like to be involved in a local church. What it's like to worship God and to serve and to give and, 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 to do, and to do the things that we're involved with as a believer. They need a living example of what that looks like. I know sometimes children need reminded of the silliest things. You know, ever, ever, ever seen that? Like uh, I, I think about little kids sometimes. You have to remind them to brush their teeth. Serious. You're really just not going to brush them if I don't tell you to. <laughs> I mean, how gross is that? You know, and you look at them, and you think, what is that in there? I'm pretty sure we didn't eat that today. That's, that's at least yesterday, maybe the day before, and it's like still hanging out in there. Don't you see that? Don't you recognize that? That's just something wrong about that. You must brush your teeth, right? But when it comes to, again, the Christian life, again, people just don't know. You have to be shown, this is how you act this is what you do this is what the this is what walking with god looks like and they need someone they, they need a living witness they need someone who's a testimony right before them to show them how this works okay now i was reading and i'll read this to you i was reading from uh, a man named george barna who's a very famous uh pollster in christian circles and uh, does a lot of studies on trends and things And this was called Perspectives on the Conversion Process. Okay? And uh, he said that just as our nation's culture has changed dramatically in the last 30 years, so has the way in which people come to Christ. He uh, he explained, The weekend church service is no longer the primary mechanism for salvation decisions. Only one out of every ten believers who makes a decision to follow Christ, does so in a church setting or service. On the other hand, personal relationships have become even more important in evangelism with a majority of salvation decisions coming in direct response to an invitation given by a family member or friend. I think we should be aware of the reality of the culture in which we live. I like to fish, I don't really, but I I like to fish where the fish are. I like to be effective in what I'm doing. If I'm going to put my hand to something and give effort to something, I want to be successful. All right. And if we have the the idea that most people that get saved, they get saved in a church service, well, statistically speaking, that's not correct. Only only 10% of them get saved that way. 90% are going to get saved through other methods, through a family member, through a friend. Someone's going to invite them to receive the Lord. Now listen, at the same time, I'm expecting our altar calls to increase and grow more and more, get bigger and bigger. I don't know that we're going to alter the stat, though. Even if we do the best, even if I do the best altar calls in the world even if you know even if we have the best services that you can possibly have and more people are coming to the lord uh, every weekend in our services i don't know that it's going to change the fact that still most people are going to be one another way and so if we're looking to that and if every time we pray we're praying that people be saved and we're, we're in our mind it's get saved in the service we're praying that the lost will come to the lord in the service i think we got to change our focus I think the more effective way is that we pray in relationship to ourselves, leading others to the Lord, because that's where most of the fish are. It's kind of quiet in here in this Presbyterian church today. And uh, <laughs> that's where everything's happening. And so we've got to be aware of this. What, what am I talking about? I am talking about having relationships. You and I need to have relationships with people that are not saved we cannot isolate ourselves where i was i was in the world i was born again i've left the world so i've left all my associations and my friendships and now everyone around me is on fire spirit-filled loving god but i don't have any contact with anyone outside of outside of the church anymore outside of christianity see that very greatly diminishes our influence if that's the way they get saved and yet i have no contact then I'm going to have a very difficult time obeying the Lord in the Great Commission. Because I don't know anyone. The only thing I can do, and very small percentage of people do this, the only way I can obey is through cold turkey evangelism. Stranger on the street. Most people are never going to do that. They just don't. They, I'm not saying they can't. They just don't. But that's the only way I can fulfill it. And when I approach all of evangelism with that method, I have a very difficult time bringing them into discipleship. Because, again, there's not a relationship to walk with them and help them get established. And that's why this is essential. We've got to have relationships. And when you do, over time, your message gains credibility with them. Because they see in you the life of God. They see in you the genuine article, the love of God. You're the real thing. And then your message carries Um, carries weight carries credibility Uh, but we should begin to invest into the lives of others do you know your neighbors do you know people that you work around have you taken an opportunity have some people are naturally that way they're just so very outgoing others are not but i think if we're not we should make a concerted effort to know people just i'm not talking about go out to their neighbor's door this afternoon and knock and say you are you saved Huh? I mean, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses didn't work on you, right? <laughs> That's not going to work. That's not an effective me- effective method of evangelism. All right. Just have them over for Monday night football. Amen. <laughs> have people over for dinner. Uh, have a barbecue, invite, invite neighbors or friends or coworkers or something like that over. Sometimes moms get their young kids together and have little play dates and, and, and they establish relationships. Not that we're just going to go, okay, we're going to the park on Thursday and I'm going to preach to all these people. D- you know, don't think so end so quick. Obviously, our goal and desire is for everyone to be saved, but we just need to insert our lives into the lives of people in this world so that we're not isolated because listen the time will come the opportunity will arise especially if our heart is that way and then it's not just a stranger talking to them and again sometimes the stranger effect works i know people who are walking with the lord today and they got straight saved on the street someone didn't know and walked up to them and told them about jesus they were born again and they're they're walking with the lord i'm not saying that doesn't work but it doesn't work great most of the people in church i mean i don't know how many people here got saved that way Uh, lift up your hand we'll just take a quick survey amazing really isn't that amazing and yet we sometimes think that's evangelism that's not the way that's not the way it works we need to be able to walk with someone And so what do you, you know, sometimes just being creative to invest in the lives of other people. We want to, be, we want to begin, of course this is who we are, but we, want, we just want to show the love of Jesus to everyone around us. As a way of life, that will create opportunities. It's a lifestyle where we're serving others. We're, we're showing acts of kindness. We're, uh, you know, we're there for people in a crisis. Why? Just because we just love people. It's God did in our hearts. And it's who we are. Before we ever preach, before we ever share, it's just our manner of life. We genuinely care about people. We're just going to be a friend to people. In the midst of that kind of thinking, yes, we care about people's eternity, and that's going to open the doors for people to accept our message and and see what the Lord has done for us. Again, when our lifestyle is consistent and they can see something real in us, it it gives uh, credibility. Uh, to your message it gives weight um, because the groundwork has already been laid there i want you to look with me at the book of john chapter one okay john one john one and verse 35 john 1 35. again the next day john stood with two of his disciples and looking at jesus as he walked he said behold the lamb of god The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, he said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? Jesus said to them, what does it say? Come and see. He said, come check it out for yourself. Instead of me telling you about it, why don't you just come look? They they came and saw where he was staying and and remained with him that day. Now it was about the 10th hour. Uh, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon. He, he found who? What did he first? First he found Jesus. What was his first response? He said, "I got to tell my brother about this guy." He went out immediately and found his own brother. Well, what should you do? Go talk to your brother. Go talk to your Sister, those who are in relationship with you, those whom you already know. When you find something amazing and life-changing and the answer to your that exceeds your wildest dreams, the natural response is I'm gonna go tell. I'm gonna go tell my brother about this. I'm gonna go tell my best friend about this. I I, I gotta go tell them what what's happening here. I, I don't want them to miss out on this. Amen. It's like people find a find a way to make money or they find a way to to, to do something they immediately call you know it's what it's what gets these emails going did you know that you could make a thousand dollars for 10 minutes of work <laughs> and a lot of times those are not right <laughs> those are not true but the emails go Pew! why because if someone believes they have found something good something that's potentially life-changing they want to share it with everyone they care about well here we are i think we got something a little more important he, so he went and found his brother. What did he say? We found the Messiah. Check this out. We found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And so, I, you know, I wouldn't necessarily tell someone, hey, I found the Messiah. Because we don't have that Jewish mindset, so people are going to go, the Messiah. What's the Messiah? You know, but I might say, hey, I found the found the Lord. I found I, the Lord. God has done great things in my life. Jesus. Uh, verse 42, and he, and, he, and he brought him to Jesus. Uh, now, when Jesus looked at him, he, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. All right. Verse 43. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael. Philip found someone, too. This is, seems like it's a pattern. When you hear about this, you're supposed to go find somebody else. Not just go celebrate, woohoo, you see what I found, yay, glory to God. No, go find somebody else. That's the way this works. He found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? In other words, like what, Are you kidding me? Is this the real thing? What did Philip say? He said to him, come and see. And I think that's a lot of what our message is. I've been changed. I've received something real. My life has been transformed. Why don't you come check it out? Come check it out for yourself. See, Christianity is not about cramming anything down anyone else's throat. I'm going to try to make you believe and just try to get you to repeat a prayer after me so I can feel like I've done my job and now you're saved. And No, come see for yourself. This is the real thing here. This is the real deal. I want you to see it. Now, how, what does that look like it could be checking it out at a church service i want you to come see man we've been having these healing meetings and i mean the real thing is happening people are getting healed come see this that might be a good way it might be come meet me down at so and so this restaurant i got to tell you something let's go have lunch i got to tell you what's been happening in my life i got to tell you what god's been doing or maybe you just bait them don't even tell them what it is yet you know what i'm saying but but I got to tell you, this is amazing. I found something. It's changed my life. It's incredible. I want you to know about it. Come check it out. And that's our invitation. It's Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You just just a little taste. If someone just gets a taste, we know, man, the product itself will sell them. God is good enough to where even if I'm not convincing enough, if I don't give all the right explanation, if I can get them to just take a peek, just crack the door, just get them to honestly and genuinely look, God will step through and say, hi, here I am. And he'll show himself strong in their life and they'll be addicted. <laughs> Amen. It's like what I told you a while back about my experience with the Belgian hot fudge Sunday. See, I had an uh, an experience. And uh, what was it? One little taste. One little taste, and I put it in my mouth. (sighs) And my life was changed. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't have to explain it to me anymore. You didn't have to tell me. Now, notice the texture. I want you to notice the sweetness and the depth of that Belgian fudge. No, you didn't have to say anything. It went all through me. I thought, wow, nice. (laughs) That is good. And I really believe that the Lord and the good word of God, He is so very potent. My desire is to get people to take a look. If they can see the real thing, the genuine article, and not some religious phony or some hypocritical imposter, just get them to see the Jesus that changed my life. If they'll take a look, they'll be sold. There's such great power in his word and in his love. And if someone can see him for who he is, my job's done. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about? Again, he sells himself. He is so good. And and lives will be changed forever. But what they do, they say, just come check it out. Why don't you come check it out for yourself? Man, I tell you what, this is amazing. I found something. You've got to have this come see. Come see. Who are you inviting to come see? Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to finish up here today. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Our message is so very simple and very plain and very clear. It's not a complicated, I have to understand every scripture and every verse of the Bible before I can accurately share the Lord with someone. Not, that, not true at all. What we do want to avoid is, is mixing religious tradition with our message. We want to avoid uh, mixing other side issues that aren't directly related. If someone, you know, I don't want to mix politics, for example. That's a very divisive subject. I'm not going to say you have to receive my political party to be born again. That's not the issue. You know what I'm talking about? Some things you leave aside, and I'm not saying don't discuss those. Discuss them at another, another time. That's just not of relevance to a, person, to a person's eternal salvation. And to them becoming a disciple of the Lord, uh, let's stick with the main thing. All right? And, and instead of having disagreements about all this stuff, I want to rather just get you to taste the fudge and see how good it is. See how good the Lord is, and he'll do something special in your life. Again, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. What's that talking about there? That's talking about the new birth. Being born again when a person is saved, that's exactly what happens. The old is gone, the new has come. The old guy, he's dead, and now you're full of life, you're full of newness. Uh, This is the way things are. Verse 18, now all things are of God. Praise God. That's true concerning you today. If you've been born again... It's all about God in you. All things are of God. Who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now I want you to notice that, that language. God reconciled us to himself. It's not that I did something to reconcile myself to him. It's not that I exerted energy and effort and cleaned up my life and now I'm better. See, our message, our gospel message to people is not, man, you got to stop lying. you got to stop drinking. you got to stop smoking. you gotta, you got to stop cussing. You're a thief. You're a, you're a dirty rascal. you got to knock it off and, and get saved. No, no, no. If that's the message we bring, we're totally missing it. You've departed from the power and grace of God. You've gotten into the flesh. Jesus has nothing to do with that. That's human effort curbing their behavior. Our message is not, change your life. Our message is, God has reconciled you to himself. Something that he did. Now, I realize sometimes we don't use that word reconcile too frequently. And so, uh, that word, let me give you a definition for the word reconcile, so you know what we're talking about. You can probably figure it out by context, but uh, reconcile simply means to restore. It means to bring into agreement or harmony. To cause to become friendly or peaceable again. That's what the dictionary says. All right? So we talk about God has reconciled us to himself. He's made us friends again. He has made everything peaceable. He has restored that relationship. In other words, there is a great hindrance, there's a great gulf that separates people from God, and it's called sin, but God dealt with it. It's all taken care of, it's all fixed. And so our message is not, clean your act up, man. No, it's it's real simple. I could walk up to any person, any day, stranger person I know, and say, I got good news for you today. No problem anymore. God's taken care of it. He's, he's forgiven you of all your sins. He's washed it all away. He's not angry with you. He's not upset with you. He's not holding anything against you. He's already dealt with it. You know what? He took it all, put it on His Son. He was nailed to the cross, and it's gone. There is nothing that you have done or, ha, or is present tense in your life that's keeping you away from God. He's already dealt with all of it. And then, what, what does the Scripture say? And He's made us ministers of reconciliation, given us the ministry of reconciliation. People frequently will tell me, I've got this ministry. Well, my ministry is this. I never hear people come and say, my ministry is reconciliation. You know, people come to the church and say, well, God's given me the ministry of reconciliation, but that's true concerning all of us. I hear people say, well, my God's called me to the ministry of, of intercession. Well, you can't even give me a scripture on that. There's no ministry of, of, of intercession listed in the Bible. But there is one called reconciliation. He's given every single one of us The ministry of reconciliation. This is powerful. And this is a good one. You know, we can be uniters and not dividers. It's a good ministry. It's not something that's hard where we're just kind of divide people. We're bringing people together back to God. Everybody with me? Let's, Let's keep reading then. Verse 19, it says, That is... That God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not imputing their trespasses to them. That means you got off. You got off scot-free. He did. He's not, not, not holding you accountable. And has committed to us, look, the word of reconciliation. He reconciled. He took care of everything. And he said, now I'm giving you the word. The word of what I did and how I reconciled, I've committed that word to you. And so our responsibility becomes, again, ever so simple, ever so clear. I'm just supposed to let people know that they've been reconciled to God. My message, I'm flipping a burger, whatever. I'm at the barbecue. My message, oh, by the way, there's no problem between you and God anymore. God's taking care of all your sins. Well, you got problems, that's all right. God took care of them. If you'll accept that, it'll become a reality in your life today. Do you know that you are a prayer away? You are an acceptance away from having complete fellowship and union with God. It's amazing. And our message is so very clear. It is simply a word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. You see that? What's an ambassador? Well... Let me give you the definition again. Most of you know in concept. It's a diplomatic official of the highest rank. That's me. That's you. Sent by one sovereign or state to another. As its resident representative. An authorized messenger or representatives. And so we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. He's already done it, and so we're just imploring people. Come on, man. Be reconciled to God. I'm an ambassador. That means my home is not here. I'm from another place. I'm just here on temporary assignment. I'm here representing God with a word. He left me here. I got saved. I belong to Him. I really should be in His presence. I really should be in heaven right now. But He left me here for a purpose, for a reason. I'm on assignment for a period of time. I'm an ambassador representing Him. Why? I've just got to share this word with everyone I see. I've just got to, I'm here. This is why I'm here. If it weren't for this, I wouldn't be here. If it weren't for this, you would get saved and you would die instantly. That'd be a great plan. You're better off in heaven, personally. But what's the reason that God didn't set it up that way? Because we're here on assignment now. The moment you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, not only do you inherit salvation and eternal life, but you immediately have a responsibility as an ambassador until you die. And you're called back, going back home. You know what I'm talking about? And so while I'm here, I'm here for only one purpose. Isn't it amazing? People live their entire lives out without ever fulfilling their purpose at all. How how does that? They never use the word of reconciliation. Never telling another person that they've been reconciled to God so that person can receive and be changed this is real simple this is something we're all called to do if not what are we doing here we're better off there amen thank you lord and so god's given us a great great opportunity hasn't he someone did it for me someone did it for you they shared the word of reconciliation i don't mean they used the word you know, you've been reconciled to God. Well, some people don't know what you're talking about. So I want to use common language. I want to share with people how God's dealt with their sin. How he's not upset with them. He don't want to judge them. He wants to have a perfect union relationship that's where there's no guilt or condemnation. It's all it's it's all gone in him. Would you receive that, Lord? They're going to receive, and I'm going to walk with them a little bit, tell them how to teach them how to walk. Get them started on the right path. Amen. What a great privilege we have. God has allowed us to be a part of changing this world. Amen. Father, thank you today for your help. Thank you for your great plan in our lives. Thank you for the work that you're doing in us now so that we can get on the same page with you so the heart of God would be revealed unto us and so we feel each and every day what you feel we see what you see Father I pray not a person under the sound of my voice would be able to just live their lives not thinking about the condition of those around them Lord we commit ourselves to you use us today use us this week to impact the life of somebody else for your glory for your kingdom we take up our place as ambassadors for you we take up our assignments and use the word of reconciliation thank you for your help we give you all the praise for it glory to God we give you all the praise for it for it's a work that you're doing in us and through us we are an extension of your hand as we reach out you reach out as we speak you speak into the lives of people. I give you all the thanks for this. Father, I pray for those who've come to church this morning.